everybody. Welcome back to Shannon's Lumber Industry Update. This is episode 82, and uh, I'm going back down this urban lumber uh, rabbit hole. I hope I'm not beating a dead horse here, and uh, certainly, guys, let me know if I talked about this too much. But I do really feel that this is the future of the lumber industry, and this week, I'm going even further upstream. We're going to start warping young minds at the university level, and I've got two guys who started up a sawmill as part of the University of Virginia, UVA in Charlottesville, and they are essentially sawing logs taken down on that campus and repurposing, repurposing them for the university's use. This is particularly interesting, and I hope you enjoy it. Guys, I've got a, a, a treat this week. I recently discovered, I don't know what we would call this, um, an effort, a cooperative effort, a, a work-study turned company called UVA Sawmilling. And essentially it is a couple of guys with a sawmill taking down some trees on the University of Virginia property and, and repurposing them. So this week I have Tim and Andrew from UVA Sawmilling down in Charlottesville, Virginia, joining me to talk about this idea of, you know, we're back on this, this kind of urban forestry chain, although Charlottesville, I'm not sure we call that urban. It's, it's urban-ish um, for, for mountainous Virginia. Um, guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming. Thanks so much for having us on. This is a, a real treat. Really neat to be able to, uh, to talk with you and, and share a little bit about what we're doing. Yeah, thank you. Sure. Uh, great to be here. Very excited to, to share our story. That's great. Well, Andrew, you had reached out to me on Instagram and um, I immediately kind of you know dove into your own Instagram profile and looked up your website and it kind of immediately resonated with me because this is something that I think a lot of other people can take a look at and a lot of other people should emulate and, and probably may already out there. So um, before I leave the, the listeners in suspense, can... Um, uh, well, either of you, because you're both co-founders of this this entity, mm -hmm. kind of explain what UVA sawmilling is. Sure. Um, you know, like like you said, UVA sawmilling is really about making use of these trees that would otherwise be turned into, you know, wood chips, um, taken away to other. <coughs> arborists yards to eventually hit the dump you know or be taken to other sawmills and instead you know we're keeping that lumber here on grounds either you know as dimensional lumber or as as live edge slabs so it's really about just keeping it here making it available to students faculty staff and you know fairly recently we're actually able to go ahead and start to sell some of that material to the general public Oh, that's very cool. Very nice. So, um, little fun side fact. Uh, I've actually been in Charlottesville quite a bit. My sister-in-law was actually on faculty there. She taught physics for four years, I want to say. Um, she did. She ended up doing her um, her PhD work at UVA and then ended up going on faculty in really, really far-flung chaos theory, like Sheldon Cooper kind of type stuff. Um, yeah, she, she is now in upstate New York um, doing a whole other thing in the private sector. But uh, uh, absolutely beautiful part of Virginia. Um, mm -hmm. Spent a lot of time down there fly fishing, mountain biking, um, <laughs> just 
you know, doing, doing the, uh, the furniture geek thing at Monticello. Uh-huh. Um, so UVA, Charlottesville, Virginia, it's, it's right there on the edge of the mountains. In a lot of ways, it reminded me of, of my alma mater town in Boulder, Colorado, mm-hmm. a very small mountainous college town. Mm-hmm. And so to kind of put things in perspective, uh, Andrew, when you talk about keeping the trees here, first of all, we're talking about Charlottesville, but more specifically, we're talking about the UVA campus, correct? Right. This yeah. is not like with the city of Charlottesville. This is with the, the, the university. Yeah, we don't, we don't take any trees that aren't from grounds, right? We have enough stuff that comes mm-hmm. down regularly to, you know, give us more logs than, than we kind of know what to deal with. You know, we don't actually see right. every single tree you know, at, at kind of our site, right? Some of that is still leaving grounds and whatnot, but we do our best, you know, with what we have. And occasionally we can kind of make a phone call and say, Hey, you know, we noticed this giant tree just disappeared. Where did that go? So. (laughs) Interesting. So are are you, um, officially part of the university or are you an independent entity? So that's a that's a good question. We and and Tim, feel free to chime in here. We have been working since 2020 to find you know our best spot at UVA. Um, okay, we're definitely not our own company. We're not our own you know LLC by any means. Um, but we're playing this interesting game between departments to try and find a home. Um, mostly because we're cross-departmental. We're interdisciplinary. We need help from a lot of different folks here at UVA to kind of make things happen. So it's interesting. Yeah, I could see where that would... One wonders if, like, rolling you into, like, a non-department, like, academic department, and rolling into, like, maintenance, (laughs) almost. Um, You know? Well, yeah, I mean... It's interesting. That's... (laughs) Excuse me. That's that's kind of where we sit right now, right? We operate on the you know facilities management's landscaping yard, right? That's where all the logs already go. We're not having them carted somewhere else. So there's a lot of work being done on the landscaping side to help organize the logs, to bring logs there, to start to communicate to us, you know, what's going on, or us communicating with them about milling. Right. But a lot of our demand is from the architecture school. Tim and I both you know, went to school in the School of Architecture here at UVA. This is where we met and, um, and worked together on this project. And so we find a lot of our users are here in the wood shop here. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's kind of an in-between. We've recently gotten a thumbs up to become a more formal student group through UVA Sustainability which is really awesome. That's going to allow us to kind of better perpetuate student involvement, student volunteering in a more cohesive way. And that's going to get somebody working with UVA sustainability specifically as a paid position to, you know, really be managing this part-time from the student side. So, um, we're really excited about how that will turn out this fall. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's particularly interesting because th- that could be kind of a watershed where I'm going with a lot of this yeah. is as, uh, you know, being officially affiliated with the university, maybe some of those logs that slip through your fingers might not happen anymore. Um, mm-hmm. you know, just through lack of knowledge, there are other 
I mean, it's a big campus, certainly. And as you say, there's a lot of trees, more logs than you know what to do with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just because in the past, you know, we've always had that, you know, when the tree comes down, it's been, we call in a tree company, they remove it, and they don't really know any better. But as, a, as an official, you know, uh, department or, or, or whatever you want to call it, however the university wants to, to label mm-hmm. it, it seems like you might have a better chance of capturing, if not 100%, um, certainly have some guidance on what happens to the percentage that doesn't come into your log yard, which would be, I, I think the message there to the university, and, and this goes back to previous conversations I've had on this show about the resource that right. they're currently, for lack of a better term, squandering, mm-hmm. um, you know, missing opportunities, not only just, you know, uh, like uh, you guys have a YouTube video on your website um, that has a couple of beautiful tables at the uh, School of Architecture. You know, there, there's a fantastic place to get, um, you, you know, furnishings, feature walls, just cool stuff around the, the academic buildings. But more importantly, now you're selling it. And, you know, there, there could be there could be revenue now, albeit quite small. Mm-hmm. But just just there's so many advantages to to the university to better manage um, their existing their existing um, inventory, yeah. which then brings me to the next point. You've got students involved now. It's not just about dealing with the trees that come down, but what about the trees that replace those trees that come down? Now, some of them may not be replaced because, you know, buildings expanding or whatever, mm-hmm. but what about the actual silvicultural management of the land that UVA owns? Um, is there, has, have you guys worked on that side of things or, or still early days, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I think what's really exciting about having now a student group that starts to build is we sort of have a mini army that can attack all these these ideas. Um, and nice, cheap labor too. Yeah, and, and it's and it's great to. They're actually paying paying the university to do this work. That's a good deal. Exactly. For better or worse. I need some of those. I need some of those at my yard. That would be great. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it, it allows us to to pull from a lot of different interests um, just from students alone. But um, yeah, I mean, right now we've obviously been working with what comes down, but I think future conversations should really be framed around, all right, you've put up this new building or we've understood that we've had to clear this area for um, a number of different reasons. How can we start to replant or think about how we replenish this material in this this space in, in Charlottesville? And um like I said, now that we have, or Andrew had mentioned, we have this this sustainability group that's going to start to arise. So hopefully we'll be kind of having a voice in those conversations as we start to talk about, all right, we've 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 taken all these trees and we've, we've milled them into material, but now how do we kind of bring back into this cycle um, more growth? Um, so it doesn't just end right. at, at our um, milling or the, the chipping of anything else. Mm-hmm. And one wonders, is it possible to diversify that ecosystem? You know, when, when you see, you know, certainly um, from what I've seen, you guys have got some oaks and some maples, very typical mm-hmm. um, for, for that particular region of Virginia. But one wonders um, what else uh, could, could thrive there or what else could have an opportunity that maybe isn't in the natural forest because it's being choked out by, frankly, quite dominant maples mm-hmm. and, and red oaks and things. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other more quote, ornamental species or, or less uh, uh, shade tolerant or, or less competitive type species that could possibly foster in, in like an arboretum type environment that is, 
you know, a, a closed, not closed system, but you kind of know what I mean right. by a campus, yeah, yeah, yeah. a controlled system like a campus. That could be particularly fascinating and could be an opportunity to foster a new renaissance of the American chestnut or something like that. It could be really. <laughs> the the um, new birthplace of the American chestnut. <laughs> there you go, right? Yeah. Right? I think Jefferson would be into that. Absolutely. So, you know, <laughs> No, it's um, but I'm I'm thinking because you're an academic institution, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're not kind of subject to some of the competition um, that mm-hmm. is in the private sector. You exactly. have that institutional background mm-hmm. that this could be, uh, for lack of a better term, a safe space to experiment with some of this stuff. Could be really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I, maybe gross yeah. oversimplification. Everybody who's had to publish in the academic environment is like, what are you talking about, non-competitive? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. What do I do every day? Yeah. yeah right. um, no, so, I, I think that's a really interesting point. I mean, there is, um, right, UVA has a big foot in Blandy Arboretum, uh, which is the state arboretum. I believe it's about two hours north of here. And, you know, we've we've made a little bit of contact with them, but I think, you know, they're interested in maybe a longer term solution than what we initially proposed. And as we continue to fortify, uh, you know, and become something with maybe a little bit more oomph, um, at least from their perspective, then, you know, we could start to really chase that down up at Blandy. Um, but yeah, also certainly here, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting, right? We have, we have a bunch of other sort of interesting species that hit our log yard, right? We have Zelkova, mulberry, red bud, um, you know, sycamore, you know, still nothing really crazy, um, for this area, but certainly stuff that's not commercially, um, you know, available or of interest, right? We just had some workbenches built um, for a class completely out of mulberry um, and then uh, with a catalpa shelf, right? So stuff that everybody oh. around here was like, what What are you doing with that wood? Like, we don't make things out of that, you know? So, um, huh. yeah, it, it was, it was kind <laughs> I, of I always cool. love expressions like that. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. that's akin to that. That's trash wood. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, um, I yeah. think I think it's funny you say nothing unusual and you throw Zelkova just out there casually. <laughs> you know, it's an invasive species from southeastern Asia. But yeah, nothing unusual. <laughs> no, no, I, I immediately I, picked up because Zelkova is fantastic to work with. Um, it's got a ancient, ancient history in Japan used for Tansu construction along with mm-hmm. Paluna um, or um, Kiri for for millennia. Um, and Zelkova has well, you're both architecture graduates. Um, I have been approached just in the last month by multiple architects in like huge firms, like New York City building, you know, architecture for lifestyles of the rich and famous, <laughs> looking for Zelkova. Um, wow. Really interesting. I don't know what happened at some conference somewhere. Maybe, you know, AAI brought something up and said, here's a species you should play with. But for some reason, Zelkova has become very, very popular very recently. Um, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> So uh, I guess it's good that it's a somewhat invasive species because we can actually start to get it locally now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Really cool. Anyway, cool. tangent, forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's talk about, um, you, you've said a couple times, you know, we've got more logs we know to deal with. You know, there's, there's plenty of, for lack of a better term, inventory. Right now, 
um, why are these trees coming down? What's what's happening to create turnover, I guess, in the in the forest there on campus? Sure. So a lot of what we're dealing with, um, actually, most of the trees we're dealing with come down just from new construction on grounds. So, of course, there's 10 year plans and additions to classrooms and student centers and everything along those lines. And a lot of what we're getting is is strictly just from clearing for construction. Um, But of course, down here, we're also dealing with the emerald ash borer, um, which is taking down a ton of ash or at least we're working with um, some faculty and other groups around um, Charlottesville that are actively working to figure out what is the best plan to to deal with this the infestation that could completely kind of like wipe out these trees. So we're working with some faculty on understanding what the, the kind of flow of material can be um, and can we tag these ash trees prior to then becoming too far gone from the ash borer and then start to collect that and and use that so it doesn't become waste or a hazard um, depending on where they are. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're, I think we're dealing with kind of all the same or similar felling issues that are happening all over. Um, construction, age, um, and, and kind of any um, p- uh, pests that might be kind of destroying them from the core and making right. sure that nothing destroys anything on grounds. Sure. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, a little bit of Googling. Um, University of Virginia currently has 2,000 acres on their campus. That's, that's a sizable plot of land. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, you look at, you look at aerial photos. I, it's funny because I made the comparison to Boulder. The, the big difference being Boulder doesn't have the trees. I mean, we have some trees mm-hmm. right. um, in yeah. Boulder, but very, very different trees. Not quite the, uh, you know... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, hardwood uh, mm-hmm. forest that that you see in Virginia, um, the ash borer in particular is kind of interesting. And here again, um, you know, you're right there with you know, d- departments of life sciences and biology departments, and you know, uh, um, uh, lots of botanists and things that maybe can start to get to the bottom of some of this. Mm-hmm. In my experience, ash borer, I mean, the the, the the bug itself, certainly it's going after the sapwood. You know, that's what most bugs go after because that's where the, the food is. That's where the sugar is and things mm-hmm. like that. It's not that they won't go after the heartwood, you know, but if there's something else tastier, they'll kind of leave the heartwood alone. And I think one of the biggest mismanagements that that <clears throat> we're seeing from the ash borer blight is, oh, that ash tree has, you know, it's infected, take it down, mulch it, you know, burn it, whatever, get rid of it. Um, and and there's not that there's nothing wrong with the heartwood in many instances. Mm-hmm. Um, there's examples where that that tree could be sawn, um, and then you you've got to you know saw off the the, um, the sapwood and and destroy the sapwood, mm-hmm. mulch the sapwood, right. kill the bugs, um, and the heartwood can very easily be salvaged. Um, in some instances, depending upon the amount of infestation, the entire thing, heartwood and sapwood, can be salvaged, just like you would, you know, any of the oaks with powder post beetles. You know, yeah. they're in there. That's what kiln drying is for. That's what heat treatment is for. Mm-hmm. Um, there's kind of this, and, and, and rightfully so, right? I mean, the ash borer is terrifying. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's similar to the chestnut blight is what we're looking at. It's on that level of magnitude. So there are people who are rightfully like, get rid of it, burn it, you know, quarantine it 
yeah. don't don't even look at it. You know, it's funny we talk about this now in our in our COVID world. Maybe we can relate a little <laughs> bit more to 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 the American chestnut, to the to the white ash tree. Oh, um, so so there there's mismanagement in many instances, kind of knee jerk reaction to just destroy the ash trees, cut them down, mulch them. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got to be, I'm sorry, but they've got to be cut down. Once they're infected, we do have to, to take them down to try to, you know, eliminate the, the spread, but it can be turned into lumber. Mm-hmm. In fact, it probably all should be turned into lumber. Um, you guys have a kiln, do you not? A solar kiln? We yes, do. we do. Yes. Um, have you been able to put any ash into it? Have you been able to do any heat treatment with it? Yeah, we've we've definitely put some ash through it. Um, you know, and like you said, you know, I think it's interesting how, how you kind of harped on this mismanagement point because it's definitely right. It's like, oh, it's ash. It got the beetle. Okay, we can't use the tree. No, no, no. The heartwood most of the time is, you know, it's usually great it's still wonderful so um you know yeah back to the kiln i mean we've had success there um you know because it is a solar kiln you know and as you kind of talked with others in in earlier episodes right about solar kilns um you know getting it up to that really nice high sterilization temperature can definitely be an issue sometimes um especially not in the summer months but most of the time you know, we've been able to, to kind of get away <laughs> with, with what we've got anyway. Um, right. We're still getting right. it decently dry. We haven't had any bug issues here at the mm-hmm. school. Um, and you know, for thicker material or material that does need to be dried quicker, we do have one of our Sawyers who's quite local, um, just on the East side of town. He actually has a vacuum kiln as well. So, you know, we can kind of work with him, work with, you know, the quote unquote client to kind of get that stuff dried and quickly and well. And then we know hundred percent, you know, that's just, you know, no risk of bugs or anything mm-hmm. there. So, um, sure. that's kind of the thing sure. we do to make ourselves feel good if necessary. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, I, I appreciate that. It is, it's a little bit more than just feeling good. I mean, as, as a micro sawmill, um, you have that higher level of quality control. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and, and here again, um, mismanagement certainly of just mulching up these ash logs but then there's also this idea that well if we're not going to mulch it then we're just going to nuke it you know we're going to throw it in a kiln and crank it up you know Mm -hmm. and and really make sure those bugs are dead um and i see this i see this with a lot of large commercial um kilns where you know they're cramming twenty thousand, thirty thousand board feet in there with the idea of just completely eradicating any possibility of life inside that kiln and 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 I'm I'm, I'm somewhat sympathetic. Um, we actually had a um, we had a yard uh, a, a kind of an ancillary yard up in Connecticut for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've since sold the property, but we actually had a, a powder post infestation on one corner of the yard from some um, reclaimed timbers. Mm-hmm. We we had bought a barn essentially and right. we're dismantling the barn uh-huh. for the reclaimed material, and it was scary because we had three or four million board feet of material on that yard that could have possibly been um, infected. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we very quickly grabbed that reclaimed stuff and we stuck it in a kiln and like went through the fastest possible (laughs) heat treatment we could do to get rid of it. And, 
you know, now it was already very, very old timber and, you know, drying that is a totally different ball game. But still, mm. you wonder, could we have been smarter about that? And I know many, many commercial kilns that have done the same thing. You, you get back to this expression of kind of the knee jerk. Oh, my God, we got to kill it. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a smaller mill um, working with, you know, um, a single solar kiln, you've got the capacity to, you know, raise the temperature slowly, but then also paying attention to what's going on and looking for the telltale sawdust piles. And, mm-hmm. You know, that that actually could be a very, very good thing, actually a good way to, to kind of manage it. It's certainly not knee jerk. Yeah in that respect. So that's, that's very cool. So I'm just trying to think of ways to, you guys can go to the university and get more fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The, I mean, you say it's difficult cause you're cross disciplinary, but I say embrace it. I mean, there is so much opportunity as a, as a, mm-hmm. you know, living classroom here for um, students of all, you know, all different degrees to, to benefit from this. This is kind of exciting. I, I really think, and I wonder how many other universities have looked into this. There must be. There must be guys there like are. you in architect, you know, architecture departments and other places, because um, this is. There are a lot of universities like UVA with this type of acreage, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of just beautiful trees. And we don't think about, you know, they gotta they gotta get cut down from time to time. Certainly, universities expand. One of the things I always find interesting is um, universities expand. Um, Certainly, you know, buildings get bigger, but then you also just have uh, a tree was planted next to that building and that building's been there for a hundred years. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at uh, um, William and Mary recently when I went down to Williamsburg oh, wow. and the, um, what is it? The, the, uh, the architect, um, Christopher Wren, the Wren library yes. down there. Mm-hmm. The um, yeah. That's been there since what Jefferson attended. Um, some, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been there a while, in other words. Yeah. And, there are trees like right up against the library and you're thinking, what were they thinking? And you're like, they weren't like they were saplings <laughs> when they planted them there or when the building was built, uh-huh. you know, they cleared a bunch of land and maybe they had no idea what it was going to look like 200 years from now. And now they're like, there are grounds crews like pruning the branches so that they don't like break the yeah. windows and things <laughs> like that because the tree is right up against the building. Uh-huh. And you look at that and you go, that tree's going to have to mm-hmm. go. Like give it a couple of years and somebody's, you know, roots are going to cause problems with plumbing or something like that. That tree's got to go. And it's kind of heartbreaking because that tree has been there, you know, shaded Thomas Jefferson, for God's sake. Um, So (laughs) those types of things, we we don't really think about it. Um, I recently uh, went back to Colorado Springs to visit my mom. um, And it's actually the first time that I've been to her house Mm in like 20 some years. This is the house that I lived in, you know, when I went to high school out there, mm-hmm. um, been out to see her multiple times. Usually it's been in Denver at my brother's place, but it was, it's been a very, very long time since I'd actually been down to her house in Colorado Springs. And, you know, again, I went to high school down there. Like I know my way around like the back of my hand, but I got lost <laughs> because the trees had grown so much in 20 years. Wow. I didn't recognize streets. I'm on a street and I'm like, no, this can't be Broadmar Valley road. There's too many, there's too much shade here. <laughs> um, because in 20 years, yeah. go figure, trees get bigger. Um, and now we're seeing the same thing where you've got these um, homes that have trees like six inches from the side of the house, you know, one foot from the side of the house because so much growth has happened over time. And you know, all those trees are going to come down probably inside a year um, because, they're, frankly, they're just dangerous that close to it. So 
this is happening in universities everywhere, mm -hmm. you know, buildings yeah. that, that, uh, you know, have been around for, for, you know, decades and decades and centuries. Mm -hmm. Um, this is, this is very cool stuff. I'm glad I'm excited to see this and maybe more of this can happen. So let's talk brass tacks. Let's, let's get the, <laughs> the, uh, the tools out of the way here. What's your setup like? Um, you've got a solar kiln. We established that. Mm -hmm. Um, what type of sawmill are you working with? So we do not actually have our own sawmill. Um, we contract in for a variety of reasons. We contract in local sawyers, um, right? Okay. Kind of as, as, you know, as you could probably gather having visited here, you know, with the, the way this place is wooded, you know, there are 10, 15 people, you know, in a 30 mile radius of here with an LT40. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not hard to bring in somebody with a wood miser. They come up, they do the, the sawing, uh, and, and then they head out. Um, for our bigger stuff, we have uh, two different sawyers that we can kind of call on who will bring in the, their Lucas mill. Um, and that's a dedicated slabbing mill, right, that'll cut up to about six feet wide. Mm -hmm. Um Right. And so that's really nice, too, because that breaks down. That's portable. So they can bring it up, set it up around our large log, uh, you know, and they usually bring a piece of equipment as well. So we can kind of manipulate things on milling day. So, right. um, you know, mostly we've got the kiln. We bring in the Sawyers. Um, you know, they come out, they do their thing. And then as a group, we're, you know, stacking, stickering you know, covering that wood to air dry before it's going into the kiln. And then, you know, all the processing of that lumber is happening here at the A school or more recently, you know, facilities management, the cabinet shop or some other groups have started to reach out and said, Hey, you know, we, we hear you guys have some lumber. Uh, that sounds pretty interesting. We think it could go somewhere. So, you know, they've, uh, they've started to work some of it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's interesting. And for the, for the listeners, the um, the LT40 is about a 36-inch capacity from a log yeah, perspective, it'll, it'll um, the Woodmiser LT40. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the 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 flagship, mm -hmm, you know, yeah. of the of the the home sawmill <laughs> or whatever. Um, that's really I'm I'm actually really kind of glad to hear this because this is one of the things that people immediately think, well, you know, I got to get a sawmill. Well, do you? Mm -hmm. Do you really? Um, the the explosion of companies like Woodmiser. And kind of the democratization of sawmilling um, is such that uh, if you've got logs, uh, you probably can find someone to do this. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I wonder, um, I mean, maybe uh, eventual growth, if you get to the point where you're capturing 100% of the, the logs coming out of UVA, mm -hmm. um, you know, and you get enough student involvement, you might be able to get some funding to get your own sawmill. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I mean, a lot of times... I, I say the same thing about woodworking. I'm constantly talking to my own students about, you know, don't go out and buy seven hand planes right now. You might hate this in a year, you know, go buy a hand plane, build a couple of things and you'll see what you need from there. You know, so it, for, for other people, maybe looking to emulate what you guys are doing at pick one Syracuse university, Ooh, some good white Oak up there. Um, Syracuse people, if you're listening, pay attention. Um, you may not need to go get a sawmill that, cause I, I erroneously was thinking, okay, if I'm going to do this, step one, go get a sawmill. <laughs> step two, question mark. Step three, profit. Um, yes, exactly. Sorry, South Park yeah. reference. I got to 
I got a call out to my uh, my former dorm mates, the creators of South Park. I should have stayed in touch with those guys. <laughs> that would have been a smart move. They were up on the third floor, I think. I was down in the basement. They didn't pay attention. Oh, anyway, <laughs> going off the rails again. Um, this is this is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, I think it's, that's actually a really great way to get started. Yeah, I mean, um, I think it just really lowers, right? It lowers the the barrier to entry, right? To create the, yeah. the material. Also, you know, these Sawyers, some of them, some of them have only been doing it a few years, but some of the Sawyers we bring in, right? I mean, they've been sawing their whole lives or, you know, 30 years and they're going to say, okay, you know, you're getting these rando logs, you know, they're not straight. They're not 12 feet long. They've got some knots. Um, you know, here's how we could, you know, make the best use of that material. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that really came into play, I think, more more in the beginning, right, when we really didn't know much about sawing lumber and our log pile was smaller. As it's gotten bigger, um, you know, we can kind of pick some better stuff to start with. And we started to understand a little bit of how, you know, you know how to saw these logs. But, yeah, I would absolutely say, you know, if, if you're not super sawmill savvy already, you know, call up your local wood miser dealer and they can tell you, you know, who they've sold a sawmill to that might be close to you. Um, yeah. And, and one of I think our, they have an online directory even yeah. um, on the wood miser site. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I mean, one of our, one of our kind of main, uh, main cheerleaders down here, um, Mr. Joe Lane, and he's over at the Virginia Department of Forestry, which happens to just be across the street from the site. Um, you know, he's worked to create a business directory for folks here in Virginia. So, you know, you can just look it up. Uh, and it's really mm-hmm. easy to find somebody with a sawmill once you know kind of where to look. You could find that, um, you know. So, yeah, some of our some of our precedent research had us looking up at Michigan State. Um, they do have their own mill. Um, Penn State's Elm Project um, you know, down in North Carolina, we found some folks that are doing this sort of thing, but they brought in a Sawyer, you know, so I, I think, uh, you know, it's kind of a case by case basis so far from what we've heard. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's a great way to just, you know, get some wood, show that there's demand, show that it can be done. Um, you know, and then, yeah, as you build up, yeah, go for it. Yeah, there's, there's almost a proof of concept that you want to make sure you get down before, like you said, you kind of go full in and buy the 10 hand planers. You want to make sure that you start to set up the school as well to be able to take this on. Um, to be completely honest, not many students and few faculty know kind of the processing of milling. And one of the biggest things that we've learned from that was as we have the Sawyers up here, it becomes almost a, a classroom for for students who come and volunteer. They get the chance to, to sit and talk with with these Sawyers as they're actively making decisions, turning the log on the, on the mill and making sure, okay, I'm cutting it this way up to make sure I get rid of this part or, or fix that. And um, as we've talked with students, that seems to be one of the most valuable things to, to really start to glean from these, these milling events that we have. Um, because if we want this to continue, and if Andrew and I... Um, you know, kind of head this for a while and then go off somewhere. We want to make sure that there's people who understand kind of what needs to happen, what, what's going on at Milling Days and kind of keep that legacy going. Because 
Otherwise, you know, no one knows how to do it. No one knows how to field those questions or even know how to set things up. So it's been really exciting. And that's why it's great that we're part of a university and we have a chance to kind of get students who are at a higher level of just interest and and want to to learn these things. And um, now, like I said, we, we have this army of people who really want to go out and start start working with the material or finding new ways of of processing it or new new tools to use to process maybe um, kind of wonky logs or logs that don't fit on the sawmill easily. And and that's what's really exciting about what we're working with now. Yeah, yeah. Now, who is handling the actual felling? Is that whatever construction company or an independent contractor has been mm-hmm. called in by the university, I guess? Yeah, we have arborists here on grounds that will deal with, with some things, but the uh, you know, it's kind of a, it's above our pay grade who, you know, who exactly does what and why, but, you know, we have some yeah. arborists here that definitely do some tree care. And then we have three or four companies that have contract with the university, um, you know, to bring stuff down, especially really big stuff. Um, you know, we, we've, there's some folks that come in to do that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So have you, um, been able to interact with any of them to kind of get a feel for, like what would they normally be doing with that log and how do they feel about you taking it? Yeah. So let's, uh, I think kind of the best example, um, is probably the one that involved the tables you mentioned, right? The tables we have in our outdoor classroom. Um, that is a tulip poplar tree that was about 125 years old, um, and came down outside Alderman library when the library expansion began. And, um, <clears throat> this was about two years ago. So we had just started and I just thought it was amazing. Um, you know, we had some of the early project advisors and mentors there and, you know, at, at the, um, sorry, at the, at the kind of construction consultation meeting and I got invited and I was uh-huh. like, holy cow, <laughs> I'm in way over my head. And we, you know, we walked <laughs> in there and we just kind of politely said, you know, Hey, would you be willing to bring this tree down, um, you know, in kind of as big a log as you can. And right. The discussion uh-huh. is okay. Well, that's going to require a crane, uh, because this is a <laughs> yeah. 52 inch DBH tulip poplar. Um, and it's tall. So, you know, they relate to us. If, you know, if you hadn't asked for logs, we would chunk be chunking out this poplar stem in one foot long sections, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Basically giant cookies, because those are going to be a thousand pounds each sopping wet. And that's what our, you know, little mini skid that loads our truck or chipper or whatever is going to be able to handle. Um, but right. they brought them down at 13 and a half feet long each. We got four of those logs. Um, it's a big trunk. and that it was just, it was, uh, literally earth shaking when they dropped those out of the truck. Um, you know, but yeah, sometimes some of those sort of things, uh, you know, can happen. We have one other example where a tree, 
you know, some students were installing, this was kind of crazy, they were installing a cool, you know, pavilion as part of a biomaterials building exhibition made out of, you know, trees that we had milled up there for it. Uh, they were installing it and across grounds in front of the chemical engineering building, this other large tree was being taken down. And, you know, someone sent Tim and I a video and we're like, hey, what's the story on this? So, you know, we kind of followed up. Uh, and because the truck was in the shot, you know, we were able to call them and say, hey, you know, where did this tree go? It's not, not up on our site. And they were really nice. And we were able to work with them. They brought the whole tree back. Um, and this is this big Siberian elm. It's been outside the chemical engineering building for forever, you know, like you said. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was a big one. We got a bunch of slabs out of that. We got some really neat cookies out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really weird shape and interesting looking wood. Right. And so that, that was another cool moment. Um, you know, but I think in general, and I know I've, I've kind of gone on here, but you know, in general, I think now that folks know, especially the arborists here on grounds that kind of coordinate what's happening, uh, as everybody's kind of learned that that's happening and, and we're milling material, we found a lot more of the logs that are coming up to the site are longer, um, you know, and therefore kind of more worth the milling. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's yeah. been really, that's been really great. Yeah. Well, you, you kind of read my mind there and I'm really glad you, you went, um, down that road because that was kind of my thought is without your involvement at the felling stage, you're going to end up with, you know, a bucked log, <laughs> yeah. uh, in one foot increments because suckers are heavy. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't want to move that around. And cranes are difficult, you right. know. They tear up the grass. They're they're very expensive, um, all that stuff. So uh, there's also issues of, especially in older properties, with um, infrastructure mm-hmm. underground. Mm-hmm. You know, you say it shook the earth when they dropped them in your log. Imagine when the tree fell, right. um, it will tear up pipes and shatter fiber and all kinds of stuff. Uh-huh. Um, under well, maybe not fiber. I don't know. I don't know enough about fiber optics. <laughs> That's people are going to write in. I'm still getting emails because I said that Vermont produced more maple syrup than Canada. Oh, goodness. So, yeah. I remember when you said that. Yeah, well, it's more, more, more than any other state. They produce more than any other state. It was a very ethnocentric statement. Yeah. Um, so, but anyway, um, I, I've had instances like in my own neighborhood uh, where some of the, uh, the, the plumbing, the wastewater um, is old enough that it's, um, there are still clay pipes. Mm-hmm. You drop a tree on that, oh, and those wow. clay pipes are gone. Right. They're dust. Um, yeah. So there's all kinds of issues that rise when it comes to actually felling the tree. Uh-huh. Um, and usually, the path of least resistance is take it down in little mm-hmm. pieces. Right. Um, you know, less less impact on the ground around it, less danger to the guys cutting it down. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's an entirely different company um, because one company just may not have the skills, may not have the the tools. Mm-hmm to fell, you know, to, to do the old, you know, timber and the whole thing comes down. That very rarely happens anymore. Um, so the, I guess the next point, which you, you know, nicely illustrated for me is if this is something that, you know, someone we're looking to do, you can't just expect if you say, Hey, if you have, if you have wood, be careful what you ask for, because you might get a whole bunch of little bucked mm-hmm. circles, um, little one foot sections. It's it's actually very rare that they're going to bring down a whole log. Um, but you guys have started to kind of reeducate as you just um, 
neatly close that point there by saying now you're actually starting to get people are recognizing that there is another life mm -hmm. for this um, downstream. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, it's funny yeah. you don't re recognize how many trees are coming down until you start to get into this and you walk down the street and you're like, Oh, that tree's coming down. We have to talk to someone about that. Or, um, and you start to right. make people. Yeah. You just aware. wake up in the morning listening for chainsaws. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What was that? Was that a chainsaw? Quick. It's so funny. Tim. To the sawmobile. Yeah, you, you should tell your, uh, Jump in. you should tell your snippet Tim about. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really funny. A lot of the, so I'm, I'm currently lecturing here at the architecture school at UVA and um, a lot of the professors kid around and whenever there's a large or heavy storm here in Charlottesville, they, they ask me if my ears perk up and I just get excited as I look out the window waiting for trees to fall <laughs> so that we can go grab them and, and mill them up. Um, which I find really funny because after these storms, you drive around and you do, you see some trees fell and, um, and you think, oh, is that through UVA's property? Can we get that? Are we getting that? And it's become really funny to just become hyper aware of that. And yeah, I mean, the, the tree Andrew was talking about, um, the elm was, was found by a student, someone who had, had talked to us about sawmilling and was like, oh, this would be an incredible piece. Why are like, they're going to chip it up otherwise. Um, and, yeah. and now we kind of have those people on the lookout to make sure that this material isn't going to waste, that it's not getting chipped up and that it can get this second life. So, um, so that that's really been great starting to set up this kind of like initiative now on grounds where everyone's aware of, of what's going on around them and, and how we can, can save that material and use it. That's outstanding. And, and, yeah. and to backpedal just just a, a smidgen, I you know I think part of the the point that you were making right about the felling of the trees, and you know kind of be careful what you ask for, otherwise you might get a bunch of you know little stubbies. I think that becomes um, an interesting challenge, but also a very worthwhile discussion to happen in more urban environments, right? I think it's more mm -hmm. often, right? Like a lot of the YouTube, you know, kind of felling and chunking out that I watch, it's because it's right next to someone's house. Those same kind of things are applicable when it's right next to a building. So it's in yeah. some instances, right? It's like that extra mile that you have to ask, you know, to say, hey, could you bring that down in eight or 10 foot lengths instead of just, you know, three or four feet? Um, but most of the time, I mean, the arborists here at UVA that we've worked with have been super excited, not just supportive, but excited, right, to see that something is happening. And I think that that's kind of played to to our advantage and, the, and well, the program's, uh, you know, advantage and success. So that's been great. Yeah, agreed. I mean, it's 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 mostly just about informing it's not about you don't have to sell anybody um everybody's on board right you know whether you're talking about you know carbon footprint or you're just talking about you know the legacy of that tree you know you you can be a tree hugger or you can be a complete scientist you're all on board um so we're we're, we're uniting we're, we're we're across both sides of the aisle to get part of uh, political here but <laughs> you know i i think another another point that we might look at and and maybe maybe this is an opportunity for you guys to uh, uh mature this program even a little bit more and maybe it's time to get a chainsaw um but those three and four foot links mm -hmm. they're not useless 
you know, I think in terms of my own shop and the furniture I make, mm-hmm. the average part in a piece of furniture is usually under three feet long. Mm-hmm. So there is there is life for those things. I mean, sometimes you're right. There is no safe way to fell this tree. Um, I mean, yes, you could bring in a big crane. It just may not be economically uh, feasible or you can't get the crane mm-hmm. in there because it's right. You know, it's between two houses or it's in, mm-hmm. you know, a backyard and there's no place to actually bring the crane, you know, the, the rubber tire crane around. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just it's not a possibility. You can't get an eight foot bowl or a 10, 10, 12, 11 foot, you know, water, um, trunk there. Mm-hmm. So they do have to bucket. Now, does that mean, oh, automatically it should be mulched? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and if you guys end up in the possession of three and four or five foot long sections, there's a whole other opportunity, you know, try your hand at Alaskan mill, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and there's a whole other class right there. Um, but then, which leads me to my, my next point, um, the wood that you are milling um, up until very, very recently where you've started to sell, um, I think it was on auction sites is what I was looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going back into the university community. So who's using it and what are they using it for? Yeah, so a lot of the material, like Andrew had mentioned, um, of course, both of us are alumni of the architecture school here. So we're we're kind of giving a lot of the material back to those students. Um, and some of the larger slabs that we're selling are, are open to the public. Um, so you, if you're looking to buy a, a slab for a table, um, of course, you can go to the website and start to get a, a, some material for us from us. Um, but yeah, primarily our, our kind of group that we're, we're providing material for has been students and faculty and research. So um, there have been a number of courses here um, <clears throat> that we've worked directly with in order to provide material to study different tectonic ideas or how, how wood is working through um, different ways of cutting and, and kind of operating on it. There's other courses that are exper- are exploring kind of material culture and tradition and technique mm-hmm. here at the school, which is one pride, one, stu- um, one class that we're working with currently this fall semester, um, providing them a, a lot of material, different types of species and everything for them to explore and understand kind of traditional woodworking techniques and kind of the culture around, around woodworking techniques and felling and just essentially learning about the process that we're doing. Um, but in a traditional sense. And then there's, there's other projects. Sign me up. I want to take that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really interesting. And it's, it's made through the architectural history program here, um, working with um, an architectural historian and preservator here on grounds. So you're really getting, I mean, that's one of the beauties of, of UVA's campus is it's a UNESCO world heritage site. There's a lot of preservation that has to happen both in and around the buildings. Um, so it's important to learn those those styles and those techniques so you can really understand the culture of the of the campus um but yeah i mean it it can range from everything to from we had students asking us for material to carve spoons for for an art class um all the way to kind of create taking lumber custom cut lumber to build pavilions out on um on like the grounds of the architecture school and everyone uses it for a number of different reasons which which is also great for us because it allows it allows us to mill for a purpose with this material, as opposed to just milling and and kind of just having it sit right. there. Um, we're custom making a lot of our material for for the students here and faculty, and 
you know, we're, we're taking tables and making tables for uh, faculty offices and staff offices here. Um, and of course, really trying to get it back into the buildings that might be taking the trees down. Um, we want to set up that pathway so that we don't start to lose these trees um, anywhere as, as construction kind of continues. That That's where it gets really cool. Yeah. Um, when you actually start to see interiors of the building yeah. furnished or, or provided by the trees that grew and shaded mm-hmm. the building. Um, those are the stories that, you know, shoot emissions departments love that type of stuff you know exactly. pr people love that stuff <laughs> that was, um you know the yeah. the person giving the campus tour right. you know all of this table we're sitting at was you know was built by the you know this tree that stood on the grounds for 100 mm-hmm. years you know yeah that's that stuff is amazing and from from an architecture perspective that is so so incredibly popular mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. um to, to tell a different story and to relate this the structure this building this room um to uh, a history like that mm-hmm. uh i mean from a commercial perspective it you can't put a price on it right. <laughs> believe me there's a lot of people out there capitalizing yeah. on that right now yep. you know it's not priced by the board foot anymore it's priced by how much you got um but yeah this is this is this is kind of exciting i think um i, I think uh my, my wife was a graduated uh, St. Mary's College down in Southern Maryland. Um, and there, um, St. Mary's City was the uh, oldest city uh, outside of, I think, Jamestown. Um, I can't remember. There, I think it was one of those things where like St. Mary's City and Jamestown like battled one another for a while. Like, no, we're the oldest. You're oh, the oldest. I, I don't know. But they're all very, very old, like 1600s. Um, and there's a there that school, St. Mary's, has a very strong... Um, anthropology and sociology department um, because they've got this incredible resource right there. Um, so many of the classes are actually out in the the um, original structures from the 1600s, and they're doing you know work study and field study and things right in there. And they also have a strong um, uh, historic preservation carpentry program for the same reasons you're talking about. If they're doing restoration work, they're emulating the exact techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know what kind of wood shop they have at St. Mary's, but there's another opportunity right yep. there. Cause again, you know, the building of course was made with the trees that grew in the area right. because there were no trucks <laughs> to cart the logs, you know, from one side of the state or nation to the other. Um, yeah, the, the, the possibilities just kind of keep going on and on and mm-hmm. on. It's really very exciting to see. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad you bring up other universities because that's kind of one of our our big future goals is to not just have this be a a single entity that UVA can have only. We want it to create a a network of of schools and research universities and just colleges all over all over the country that can start to implement this. You know, we talked about Penn State and Michigan, and we would love to create this larger network that that allows for us to all piggyback off of different ideas or create larger um, funds to focus on larger scale projects. I mean, we have highly specialized faculty and really interested students who, who want to continue and work on this stuff. So why not create a, a large coalition of, of universities to focus on that? Right. Yeah. That's, that's really, really cool. Um, you guys, um, well, you've listened to the show, so you probably heard the episode with Cambium Carbon. You might want to reach out to them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because I, I know one of the things that they just uh, they were on Capitol Hill and there was a recent bill passed that's putting a lot of money into urban forestry. I think 150 million or something like that. Yeah. Um, just saw and that. I believe they're they're funneling some grants. So a there could be some potential funding for you guys there, but your idea of talking about creating a coalition of universities that could play very well into like the software mm -hmm. that they create because mm -hmm. that's really what they're doing right. is creative cooperative inventory amongst micro sawmills mm -hmm. um, and local sourcing is only as good as knowing that it's there right. you know um, mm -hmm. so you, there there's there's an opportunity there heck again in the university university environment there's probably somebody in the computer science department who could build it for <laughs> you um, mm -hmm. and link together you know, Spartans and Cavaliers. Yeah. Cavaliers? <laughs> yeah. I like it. Yeah, you keep saying Michigan, and I know it's not it's not Michigan State, but um, Marquette University um, up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, uh, they have their basketball arena. It's a dome. is built entirely out of wood. Wow. And it is one of the coolest things that it should be, like if there's such a thing as architectural wonders of the world, maybe there are, <laughs> it ought to be in that list. Because imagine like, you know, the Astrodome, quite, not quite that large, but it's a, it's a you know, Marquette University, um, I'm not a huge basketball fan, but they tend to show up in people's brackets in March Madness, like all the time. They yeah. obviously have a respectable basketball program up there. So mm -hmm. they have an entire dome built out of timber yeah. and it's not plywood. I mean, it's, it's some of it's laminated timber now, but it's a timber frame structure. Um, and all of that came from local material I mean, the upper peninsula is filled with all kinds of amazing trees there was an example because i want to say it's been there quite some time um but because the up is not exactly around the corner um it is remote mm -hmm. uh, there's a great bumper sticker up in the upper peninsula that says um into the earth six miles upper peninsula seven miles <laughs> very 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 apt um but they sourced all that locally as well and i wonder how much the university had to play into that. I mean, certainly they were the, the customer, they were the, you know, the, the person buying it. Um, but yeah, that type of thing could, could fund future construction, you know, not just expansion, but mm -hmm. there's always like a new building going up, new construction going up. Um, when I recently visited my alma mater, um, I didn't even recognize it. And they've got an earth science building that's going up. That's supposed to be state of the art. And, you know, there's such an opportunity there for, for the university to, to pull on its local resources um, while at the same time educating students. Um, yeah, it's really exciting. Mm -hmm. um, of course, I'm one of those like nerds that if I were independently wealthy, I would go back to school. <laughs> I wouldn't get a degree. There'd be no pressure of like, no. you know, does this, I have to take this class and this class, you know? In other words, I, I could skip the calculus class that I hated <laughs> and take your science classes that I loved, you know? <laughs> You just just continue to take classes um that this this type of curriculum i'd be all over that mm -hmm. uh to mm. jump on top of that type of stuff that's very very cool so um if if somebody out there is is listening there's a, there's a grad student or an undergrad student or some guy that lives near a university who's <laughs> just wondering hey this is cool um would you have any advice for someone like if they wanted to try to start this at their university mm -hmm. or small liberal arts college what would you say to them go for it yeah <laughs> um, no really i think that's the first thing i would say i mean it's you know we didn't we didn't do the uh you know super 
you know, delicate walkthrough of our whole origin story. But really, it I mean, this all started here because of a wood identification lecture I went to. I was a, you know, I was a TA in the wood shop. You know, the wood shop manager said, hey, I'm having this talk for the TAs. I've got pizza. I went there and, you know, the uh, the gentleman who gave the talk Right. He was an architectural conservator here and, you know, became, uh, you know, kind of a, a mentor for the program. And it all spiraled out because we both watched Matt Cremona build his bandsaw mill. And we were like, no way. <laughs> Let's keep talking about this. And, you know, he already knew a little bit. Right. Having been here for a while, he knew a little bit about the about the logs, um, you know, and kind of where they were kept and, and the fact that nothing was done with them. Um, right. so yeah, I, I would say go for it, go find those people who are in charge of the logs, mm-hmm. you know, talk to them about what it costs them currently to, you know, to handle that as a waste product, right? Like right now it's kind of up in the air between the tub grinder and the milling, like which is more economical for the university. And so we're kind of playing off of that in terms of continuing to fund the milling, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then I think the other part, and, and Tim talked a lot about this, right? The the student interest and the demand. I think without the demand, we would be a little bit more hard-pressed to have come as far as we have. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is they're students, and, you know, sometimes they're kind of like termites, and they just go through wood like crazy, you know? <laughs> so having that demand gives us a lot more room to say, yeah. We need to do this. So you're saying it's it's, it's getting mulched anyway, just in a different way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, One yeah. botched mortise and tenon after another. It's still getting mulched. It's just mulched in the form of little tenon cheeks in the trash can. <laughs> oh, man. I get it. There are some it. larger projects between between it and being mulched, but um, <laughs> it goes right. somewhere. But yeah, no. Um, cool. You know, and so who do you think who do you think those you said, you know, um, talk to the people who have the logs. Mm-hmm. Who, who are those people? Um, I mean, obviously, you can only really speak for your situation, but I imagine there's some similarities um, from one institution or another. Is that like facilities management? I mean, so, who would you even look up in a, mm-hmm. in a directory? Yeah, so here, here that's definitely the case, right? The landscaping department's under facilities management. Um, but I, um, I've had the opportunity to talk to... Um, I believe it was the head landscape architect at Vanderbilt. Um, he was here okay. at UVA for um, for something, and you know our kind of name got passed off to him because he had some interest in in doing this sort of thing, right? So it seems like at Vanderbilt, at least, and my apologies, Vanderbilt, if I understand incorrectly, but right, he had. Um, you know, he had kind of some control or some input there. That's not someone that we've worked with here at UVA to do this. Um, and then, um, you know, I think at Michigan state, like I think they've got like a whole thing all built up around their program and it doesn't sound like they have to go to anybody. It sounds like, you know, it's just kind of part of their program. They're, you know, directing where the logs go and all of that. So, you know, I don't know. It might take some digging. I've called William and Mary. That was actually where I went to undergrad, right? And I called around and tried to figure out who might be interested in talking about this. And I got redirected to their arborist a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. I think that might require some digging. 
Um, but I, I'd say sure. it's worth it, right? Yeah. So, well, William and Mary might be a bit of a unique um, situation too with the Colonial Williamsburg Foundation right there, right? Because I know, um, like the the carpenter shop and the guys at the Anthony Hay shop, um, they have a lot of their own lumber sawn locally. Um, hmm. Yeah. Uh, coming from from the uh, the local area, uh, and there's such there's such a, a close ties between the city of Williamsburg, the University of William and Mary, and the the Williamsburg Foundation. Yes. That, <laughs> there's there's a lot yeah. there's a lot of people yeah. you could probably talk to there. Yeah, but, I mean, I think it, yeah. at most universities you'd hope that there's some sustainability efforts happening, and I think that mm-hmm. would be kind of the easiest way in is just chatting with those those people in charge of those sustainability efforts um one of our mm-hmm. first conversations sure. we had was with um uva sustainability and they started to point us in the direction of this person and that person and then you start to just create a kind of group of people to reach out to when you have questions um i think that's the most exciting sure. and, and important thing about it i mean the university is full of of interested people in their disciplines and they want to talk about these things and share it with more people so um, I think that you have environmental sciences, faculty, kind of anyone um, to reach out to, which should, which should start you off in, in any direction, which is, which is better than just standing still. So um, kind of just reach out to whoever you think might be leading these, these initiatives. That's awesome. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Um, it's never going to be one, one person, <laughs> you know, you're going to end up building a network and, and even now, as you guys say, you've got your, your network of students mm-hmm. who are like, Hey, did you guys see this tree's right. going down? Yeah. That, that's uh that's very key. And eventually, and you know, maybe in the not too distant future, there will be a time when it's just understood, mm-hmm. you know, if a tree is being felled on the university property, it goes right. here. Um, cause it is university property. Mm-hmm. I mean, that tree belongs to the university. Mm-hmm. Right. So therefore it should go to the quote UVA log exactly. yeah. um, which just could be you guys. So, um, I guess that being said, where do you guys want to take this? Like, let's, let's talk a little bit about hopes and dreams on this. We've, we've hit on some of it, but, uh-huh. uh, formally where, where do you see this whole program going? Yeah, I mean, I think, like we, we mentioned, we talked about this network between universities. That's a kind of a larger scale. I think on a kind of smaller university scale, one thing we're really interested in is creating a curriculum around this and finding a way to yes. create, be it a course or a lecture or something or a series of lectures or workshops, but just a way to start to educate students, faculty and staff and anyone who's interested in this um workflow in this uh, lumber industry. Um, you know, at least in architecture school, we learn a lot about other materials, concrete, glass, steel. And I think it's starting to, to come about a little bit more, but the lumber industry isn't really focused on or talked about that much. And with yeah. a lot of these sustainability efforts that <clears throat> firms are looking at and, and people are looking at, um, I think it's really important to start to, to really have this conversation of understanding where the wood that you build with comes from. Um, it's not just taken off the, the shelf from, from Home Depot or Lowe's or anything like that. There's a whole process that had to go through um, in order to get that material there. So we would love to take right. uh, to teach a course or have a course caught, taught where we're a part of it um, in order to kind of talk about everything we've just talked with you about. You know, identifying yeah. trees that, that might have um, 
pests in them and might be infested and then talk about trees and how to remove them safely and how to buck them for something that's useful and how do you know what's what's useful and what's not and just kind of navigate all of what we've been navigating for the last two, two and a half years. Um, because there are a lot of interested students and a lot of interested faculty in this. And, um, you know, and, and that's on kind of the, the strict like le- lecture style stuff. But again, bring it into the fabrication techniques and traditional wo- woodworking and getting that into it. Um, at the architecture school, we have a fantastic um, wood shop here and a number of different makers grounds um, or maker spaces around grounds here. And I mean, I think that's something else that we start to lose as everything becomes so much more digital, um, kind of that, that hand touch on everything. So we would love this to right. be part of the curriculum here at UVA um, and work towards setting that up in order to, to teach everyone about this because it's, it's exciting and um, has a lot of great benefits when more people know about it than few. Agreed. And it's, I mean, it's, it's a grassroots effort at this point. I think, I think it's interesting you say that, you know, the lumber industry doesn't get talked about in a lot of those spaces. I completely agree. And I blame the lumber industry. Honestly, (laughs) Um, it's, it's an industry that has remained stuck in its ways Mm -hmm. for centuries. Um, And in many instances, and especially I think at the university level where you've got young idealistic kids who want to change the world, the lumber industry is vilified. Mm. Um, and when you talk sustainability, lumber is like, it's the last thing you talk about, but it's the most renewable resource we have. <laughs> and, and that message doesn't really make it out. And, and again, I blame the lumber industry a lot. The term lumber baron uh, came about very honestly. You know, there was a lot of raping and pillaging going on. But the fact of the matter is, is that was centuries ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and the lumber industry as it exists now, you know, certainly there's always bad seeds, but everyone that I know, they all love wood, you know, and they're very concerned about sustainability and 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 proper harvesting and and um, being able to keep a consistent flow of lumber and healthy forests. Um, you know, most woodworkers I know love trees yes. and love to walk amongst the trees just as much as they love to work the tree in their mm-hmm. shop. Um, this is one of those things that I think we need to instill um, at that at that level, you know, instill into the minds of these young idealistic kids mm-hmm. and, and let them know that wood is not evil. Right. Um, wood is not um, anti-environmental. It's yeah. just the opposite because you know what sequesters carbon fast? A growing tree <laughs> as compared to that 60, 70, 80 year old tree that's barely sequestering any carbon exactly. at all. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, I think- take that tree down for many reasons, safety reasons, all kinds of reasons. Um, plant another tree that's going to suck up carbon way faster than that old tree. Mm-hmm. And and rather than mulching it and burning it, which guess what? It releases the carbon. <laughs> Let's turn it into something and that carbon remains sequestered, you know, mm-hmm. for forever and ever and ever. So all those fun buzzwords um, are, are, are there. Um, and I think I think we could really um, change some minds um, starting starting at that mm-hmm. at that level. Um I mean, I think so, this. I'm on board. Yeah, I think this plays in well to. Uh, I think it was the episode with Cambium Carbon, right, where you talked um, with them about the, you know, the instance where they had, you know, such and such species, probably walnut, specked out by the customer, um, you know, and, uh, and Baltimore Lumber brought them in and was like, you know, hey, what about this, right? This is local. Yeah. This is something. 
you know, I can, you know, get you a bunch of, it's beautiful. And, you know, it's just purely aesthetics. Right. Um, and so honestly, I mean, (laughs) educating a whole cohort of architects, uh, you know, year after year about this sort of pipeline of material and the advantages of it is going to play right into the continued growth of, you know, thinking about local wood, um, you know, instead of having to always reach for that exotic or always reach for, you know, the walnut or something else. Not Yeah, it's that lack of diversity in species that causes problems Mm -hmm. in sustainability, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and and it's one of those things that has people really, really freaked about um, the emerald ash borer Mm -hmm. because ash is used everywhere. And, and if ash is gone, it's like, well, what's the alternative? Mm-hmm. Well, oak, well, powder post is causing real problems with oak. It's like, oh, crap. What do we do now? You know, there's a lot more species out mm-hmm. there. Um, right. And we and, and again, I blame the lumber industry, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, this is this is the tree that's going to create the clearest board. You know, it's all about grade and getting as, right. as you know, uh, well, NHLA is the grading scale there is in the 50s. It's pretty much it's still used because there isn't another alternative. But most local mills, they kind of have their own grading because NHLA grades don't get you there. The market is demanding clearer and clearer and clearer stuff. Mm-hmm. So to do that, it's become cherry, maple, ironically, walnut, because walnut is not a clear no. tree, but just because it's the color <laughs> that makes walnut popular. And it's, it's like those species domestically over and over and over and over again. Um, and we're seeing the same thing exotic-wise. It's the same couple of species. Mahogany was this way for years and years and years. And CITES regulation finally kind of has started to right that ship a little from where it was sinking before. Mm-hmm. But we look at it with, with decking now. Ipe has become the species. And guess what the CITES convention is looking to possibly vote on um, in the next couple of months? Um, so what happens you know, if that goes? I think that could go one way or another because there's still a lot of Ipe out there. But still, it's just that species. Um, so what about black locust? You know, what about um, new technologies like modified woods mm-hmm. that are taking species like ash? Mm-hmm. And since you got to heat treat it to get rid of the bugs, well, let's heat treat it. Let's torrify yeah. that stuff and turn it into thermally modified ash, which now can take the place of Ipe as a decking material. There's all kinds of, of, of options that the commercial lumber industry is not really presenting to the architect and then the architects kind of get stuck in their ways and it's like well i want to do something fancy so now i'm going to use teak okay you know have you seen what's happening in myanmar lately maybe let's go another direction what about iroko you know what about uh, cypress mm. totally different species but we're talking color palette wise there could be an option there and if you're in louisiana somewhere there happens to be a cypress tree going around the corner yes so <laughs> Tulane University, that's the only university I can think of. Sorry, LSU, there's another one um, down there. Um, if, if they need to, to, to do something on their campus, they could be using, you know, bald cypress from down the street or whatever. That completely changes the game. When we start to source locally, it's, it's mind-blowing how things change. Diversity opens on, in the species that you're looking for. Um, costs certainly change dramatically because your supply chain is like one link it's <laughs> rather than a thousand links um, and there's just so much um, feel good in the whole thing as well but silviculturally speaking um, you know you've got better control over the forests that way it's just 
Yeah. Like I said, you don't have to sell this to anybody. <laughs> you just have to bring it up because mostly it's unknown. Mm -hmm. More than people just don't know that this is a right. thing. So, yeah. That's great. Well, when you guys get your class going, I'm going to sign yeah, up. Definitely. I'm going to audit yeah. it. <laughs> we look forward to that. Amen to Come in and audit it and, and ask difficult questions from the back of the room. <laughs> My professors hated me. I was that kid. I admit it. I remember I got in trouble because, I, gosh, I mean, this was actually, this was high school. But um, I, I asked uh, an, a pre-calc teacher what, like, why do I care about I? Like, I is equal to the right, screw root right, of right. one. Like, why do imaginary numbers? It's like, well, you know, I, I wasn't trying to be like a jerk, I, although I was probably coming off that way because I was a snot-nosed punk. But, it, you know, it was like, how am I going to use this? And and the professor got really upset because he couldn't give me an answer. He's like, well, if you were theorizing about something, I was like, so I'm never going to use this. In other words. <laughs> Um, so yeah, you know, you'd be talking about song logs and things and I'll be the guy raising my hand saying, how am I going to use this? Mm -hmm. that, that's be the question. Mm -hmm. Although that does bring up another point that I wanted to say earlier. You guys had said that now you're more purposely sawing. Mm -hmm. There is another massive transformation with this locally sourced idea is when you're sourcing from far away and the, the, the lumber industry as it stands now we're sawing into standard dimensional mm -hmm. boards. Um, and, and that's well and good because that then allows you to do kind of anything with it, you know? Um, but when you are involved, when the sawmill is involved with the architect mm -hmm. or the construction company and you know exactly, or the students, and you know what they're trying to build, you know, and, and back to the original point about three foot lumber is not useless. <laughs> Maybe that student says, well, I'm building a, you know, I'm building a bench. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, then let's not saw up this log. Let's use up some of the, the little guys that we already have. Or they say, you know, I need um, this type of grain. You know, the architect is saying, aesthetically, I want this type of grain. Well, you saw that board differently. Mm -hmm. It's maybe not a through sawn. Maybe it's more of a quarter. Mm -hmm. log. Maybe you're going for uh, a different section of the log to saw that. And it ends up better using that material. Mm -hmm. um, and, and frankly, you're going to get a better product um, because you know what what it's bound for. Mm -hmm. you, yes. you, kinda, you can quality control all the way up the supply chain, literally back to the stump, um, and, and say, okay, this is ultimately the end product we're going for, so this is going to be the best way to do this. Mm -hmm. um, and every single time I've seen that happen in, in my um, day job, other job, it's, it's been a success because there, there is no relying upon a standardized grade. There's no relying upon standardized dimensions mm -hmm. and hoping that will work. It's here's what we need. So let's go ahead and solve right. it, you know, and yeah. more importantly, it opens opportunities where, well, I'll go exotic here, but I had a customer that was looking for wide plank teak flooring. I said, okay, what do you mean by wide plank? Well, 22 inches Holy wide can happen. <laughs> you know, it, it's not that it's not that teak doesn't grow that big. It's just you're going to get like one out of every 50 logs mm -hmm. is going to net that. Um, <clears throat> and the square footage they needed was 12,000 square foot. Like, yeah. no, sorry. That's just, we, we could do it, but it's going to take us three years to develop. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, 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 what do we do? I said, well, why is this important? Like, why teak? Well, I don't know. Let's go. And there was several conversations back and forth. And eventually they got to the person who said, it's the color. We want that kind of honey brown color. It's like, is that it? It's like, <laughs> it wasn't that they wanted teak. They wanted the color. Okay. Well, 
we could we could add the color or we can go by it naturally. Are you aware of a species called Iroko? It happens to also be kind of honey colored and brown. And oh, by the way, the tree is enormous. It is huge. Like if you want 40 inch wide planks, I can do that for you. Um, so we changed the conversation. Um, actually ended up saving a lot of money because Iroko is substantially cheaper than teak. It's also not in a war-torn region of the world right now. Well, Iroko comes from a lot of places and Africa is not exactly friendly in all places, but we were able to, to supply this to a customer and it didn't take, you know, three years to develop and you would never know, like, because what was important was the color palette and kind of a look and feel they want. Of course, it also had to be vertical grain mm -hmm. as well. You know, you can't have 22 inch flats on. It's got to be 22 inch quarters, oh, yeah. of course. Um, <laughs> so, you know, all of that, because we knew where it was going, because we knew what was important, mm -hmm. we were able to flip the script and change the conversation entirely to an entire different species from an entirely different continent um, to, to really get a better product in the long run. Mm -hmm. Um, this is the same thing that, you know, just a heck of a lot closer to home. You're not crossing oceans at this point. You can now say, look, these are the logs we have. What do you want to build? Um, this, you know, understanding of, of, of wood science can say, well, maybe this, you know, softwood over here may not be the best choice for that. Uh, but this oak may be really good for you. And yeah, that's, that's really exciting. Um, I keep saying that. <laughs> I'm excited. No, it's, it's, so. uh, it's definitely some of the most satisfying and uh, fulfilling milling we do right? right when you know when people come with the with the request it you know it hits our spreadsheet we look at it you know we double check with them and then we go for it and it's just awesome you know they roll up or you know we're bringing the lumber to them and it's just it's just a great feeling to say hey you know here's exactly what you asked for mm -hmm. it's great right. you know everybody's thrilled about it um and and the Sawyers are group too, hug. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Go That's ahead. Fantastic. No, it's just it's just such a warm, fuzzy feeling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're all gonna gather around the log and sing Kumbaya. Yeah. That's what's next. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now now I'm really tapping into my Boulder, Colorado. Right now. <laughs> yeah. People's Republic of Boulder up there. So um, well, then I guess let's uh, wrap this up and say, you know, where do people find you? You know, if they, if a, if, if they're interested in learning more about your program, mm -hmm. um, maybe they're on the university and go, I didn't know you guys were here. <laughs> um, or if they're interested in maybe getting some lumber for you, how do how do we find UVA sawmill? Yeah, so um, luckily we have a website just called uvasawmilling.com, um, which is a great way to see what we're up to. Um, on there, we have. A number of different things that we're trying to also add to consistently um, but we have kind of our mission our team um, student work faculty work that we want to start adding and then of course um, what we're going to start implementing soon is is the selling of these slabs which of course all of the the proceeds from that would go straight back into the program to allow for us to kind of operate um, on our own sustainable way self-sustaining way and um so we, we have our website. You can follow us on Instagram as well. Um, you know, we're, we're working on really having this presence as much as we can, not only to the university, but to anyone else who's interested. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, we have a, a contact us form there so people can reach out to ask questions, you know, if there's other universities or interested parties um, around Virginia or anywhere else. Um, we're more than interested in hearing from them and, 
and trying to get kind of a larger uh, network, of course. I mean, that's kind of the whole thing. Let's create this this major tree network. So, yeah, you can you can check us out on uvasawmilling.com um, to learn a lot more. And I'll add, uh, that's the same handle for your Instagram as yes. well, UVA yes. Sawmilling. Yep. Um, I actually was watching um, a video you guys just put up recently. You were inlaying something into the end of a board. What was that for? Yeah, so those are some large workbenches that are going to go over to a, a new fabrication space. The architecture school is uh, is outfitting. And so instead of, you know, going to buy some random workbenches from who knows where, we just are using some slabs that we have up on, uh, up on the site. So that is my attempt cool. at a uh, decent inlay to fix that crack, but we'll see how it works out. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Very cool. All right. Well, I think that will do it, guys. This is, um, it's, it's the same story that I've had on a couple episodes, but with a different bent to it. Mm-hmm. Um, really getting grassroots here and let's let's warp some young minds at the university level and get them into this idea that's what college is right warping minds getting get more of this idea that you know trees don't necessarily or lumber doesn't necessarily have to come off the shelf at the home depot god it really really shouldn't come off the shelf anyway um yeah, this is this is fantastic. Thank you so much for for taking some time to talk to me. And uh, thank you. Uh, I'm I absolutely going to look you guys up because I get down that way a fair bit. Um, and uh, I'm going to come visit the log. Yeah, yard. definitely. Oh, look forward to awesome. Great. Well, that'll do it. Thanks for coming on the show, and uh, I appreciate you listening as well. Keep listening. Oh, we will. <laughs> <laughs>